Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job, and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees, and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget, there's also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is Tebo Hakangota III. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. And welcome to the Educated Africana. My name is Tabuho Kangote, and I'm here today conversing with Zainath and Gift about a very touchy subject. We are going to talk today about trade versus corporate. Where do you fall? What do you think? What is it? Is it white collar? Is it blue collar? What is happening? Zainath? Would you like to just tell us what is trade in your view? What is trade education? All right, here we go. <laughs> well, trade education for me just means being qualified in some sort of skill that you can use. You know, you can use your hands uh, to work as opposed to studying something that's theoretical, but something that you can actually use practically. Gift, would you like to just share with us, as Chulu was saying earlier on, is it blue collar? Is it white collar? What is this corporate education? Thank you, Taboko. So um, for me, I think trade, uh, trade education is basically the skills and abilities uh, that one gets to learn or develop um, outside, often outside the um, traditional classroom setup, like the university or college. And then the corporate um Corporate is the one that you get uh, when you go to your university and you study to get maybe a diploma or a degree. So I would say um, trade would ideally fall under the blue collar and um, um, corporate under the white collar. Okay, Zainath, I'm gonna go back to you. For the person who's at home and who doesn't know exactly what the blue collar means, um, and it speaks a lot more about people who are who have completed their corporate studies. What exactly does it mean to have studied a blue collar uh, qualification? Uh, it means that you went to some uh, some like here in the US, for example, they have community colleges where you can go, say, study something like nursing for two years or automotive mechanics or um, computer graphics or sewing, and you've attained some sort of skill that you don't really need a bachelor's degree for, but you can earn a living from it. Like Gift said, 
it doesn't always has to have to be in like a school setting, like community college. Um, it can be like just a training center. And sometimes uh, like in a country like mine in Zambia, where we don't have structures for um, the arts or things that need to be upskilled, I would rather say like we just look down upon some things are just self-taught for some people, depending on where they are. Right. Um, you know, when you study trade, it's usually, like you were saying, it's shorter years and your qualification is usually a diploma. And when you study um, corporate, it's a bit longer, four years plus, and your qualification ends up being a degree and so on, it increases. Give, does this give light to one being more important than the other or one having more chances of being more successful over the other? Um, maybe let me, before I go into that one, let me just add um, what uh, Zenith had talked about. Um, you know, trade, I feel trade is something that you can even be able to learn yourself. These are skills that you can develop even by yourself, but you will not necessarily have the, the, the paper to show for it as opposed to corporate where you'd actually go into a school setting and get your certificate or your diploma or your degree. Now, um, in terms of time, yes, um, corporate education often takes longer. You know, with trade, um, within even say a month, there are some programs within a month you can be done or six months or one year, you can be able to, you can be done, you can start working, start earning money, but on, for corporate education, on the other hand, you would need at least a minimum of one year, six months for you to be able to get a certificate in that program. And it can go as far as maybe say four or five years for you to be able to get your degree. But I don't necessarily feel that the length of time then depends, um, determines that one is better than the other or one should be regarded as less um, less relevant than the other. I believe the length of time goes into, um, it can be dependent on maybe the institution because different institutions, I can go to one college which will train me, for instance, if we're talking about corporate education in business administration, to get a degree, it might take me three years. And I go to another college to get the same degree which will also be a degree in business administration, it might take me five years. So sometimes it depends on what institution you are going to and also the level of qualification that you are that you are trying to pursue and the curriculum that they follow as well. So um, as regards trade versus corporate education, I believe the time is um, determined by the type of institution, the type of program that you are taking, um, the level of certification you want, and also um, what the course content of, of that program will be, but not necessarily that because one takes less time than the other, um, one is better than the other. It's true that they do say that the longer you take learning something, the better that you become at it. That yes is true, um, but you can be a very, very skilled um, seamstress and you have only done a program for six years. But you can also be a very, very skilled um, accountant, for instance, also having only studied for one year. So I believe time isn't really of the essence, but how you get to apply yourself within that time and how much you get to learn as well and grow um, in your 
in your in your trade or in the skill or in whatever it is that you're getting to learn. Yeah, that is true. As you were speaking, I was just thinking, how do we advise a parent who has a child who might be going into college and given the economic state right now and how job jobs are right now i'm just looking at at, at zambia right now um would you what would you advise a parent like is it better to have a child who is self-skilled or who has uh, trade skills so that they can self-employ or is it better to have a child who then goes into um, university and say becomes a doctor um, although or, or maybe becomes a teacher although there still are people with those qualifications who are at home there are people who are um, self-employed who are struggling so as a parent Zenith what would you say to, let's say I'm the parent and I have this child and I want to know how do I advise my own child where to go from here? Okay. So, and I think this starts from when a child is young. I don't think we should even wait until the time a child needs to go to college to try and figure out which is better because economies are ever changing. Things are ever changing. Even jobs are ever changing. So I think it starts from when a child is young, you start to see what interests the child. What does the child like to do? What do they gravitate to? I can tell you for myself, when I was a kid, I asked for a camera. I think I was in sixth grade for the first time. But you know, in those days, your parents just want you to be educated. Finally, when I was in 12th grade, I think my dad got me a camera, you know, and and I think I just put that to the west side because then other things just took over. So we have to decide what do children like start doing career day when they're still in maybe even seventh grade, eighth grade. And then by the time it's time to go to college, you know what the child likes, what they're better at doing. And then you decide whether, okay, are you going taking the formal way, whether it's going to university four year degree, or are you gonna go to a trade school and harness this skill? you know, so that you can become good at it, like gift save, because then with time you become better, you could be a manufacturing engineer, you could make a factory, whatever it is you decide to do. So I would say start when the children are young, figure out what they like, and then go from there. There's no one better than the other. People could make a living doing either one of them. At gift, I see you nodding your head. I'm going to pose the same question to you. What would be your advice? Well, um, if if the mother came to me and asked me and said, gift, which is better? Should I send my child to a trade school so they can finish quickly and start earning money? Or should I send them to university? Um, I would say do both <laughs> because I believe skills are very, very important. We cannot um, rely on only one of them. Um, my experience, I, I started getting skills like... Um, quite early in life. I was always trying to learn different things and um, find out about different things. And immediately I finished high school. 
I went to a trade school. I got a licensed licensed the English licensed course in computer science, and then after that, before I went to college, I studied. Um, I did a short course in entrepreneurship, and I think I was enjoying the trade school and how I was getting to learn so much in such a short period of time. And then I further went. Um, I did another course at the same college in in communication before I could go um, to university to start pursuing my degree. And I realized while in university that the skills that I had learned before going to university really, really helped me and were able to put me at at an advantage compared to my colleagues because there were certain things that I had learned prior that um, were almost new to everybody, but because I had known them, it was easy for me to understand and apply myself. And even in my professional career now, I have seen that those skills that I learned at the trade school, which I did not learn in college, have really, really helped me and been able to set me apart. So I believe skills are important, yes. If you have the money, send your child to send your child to university, but also remind them to say, let them not just focus on whatever it is that they'll be getting in that classroom. Let them also be able to learn different skills and just beef up whatever it is that they are learning. Communication skills, that is a must. That is definitely, definitely a must. Things like leadership, we often don't get taught that in our our normal um, curriculum in university. But those are very, very important skills that, like Zenith said, children should start to develop from a tender age. And that will really, 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 really help. Yeah. Now I want to address the big elephant in the room about these two um, styles of education or ways to go about your education. I think we all know and can agree that there's a negative perception that has to do with trade schools, that the students that get to go to trade schools failed in some way in, um, you know, your corporate schools or like our everyday schools, your mainstream schools that usually prepare for corporate university or corporate studies. Now, what do we have to say about that, Zenith? Is it time to get over the perception or is it worthy? Is there a reason behind it that we should be understanding? There is reason behind it, but we have to unlearn it because obviously we have to go back to the history, right? Like our education system as it stands, I think in Zambia was established in 1924, right? When we became a British um colony and by 19 after 1964 after independence our university was you know established and a lot of teachers that we had left because most of them were foreign foreigners indians and the british and then there was this whole push about educating a lot of zambians and taking over those jobs and building a university which was i think opened in 1966 so prior to that the centers that were open for let's say zambians were for for the trades right? Because the white people were had the white collar jobs. And once the British left, there was this, everybody now just steered towards the white collar jobs. You know, as we know, a doctor, lawyer, teacher was one of those in, in, in those days. And somehow we completely, completely forgot about the trades. And then with time, it became one of those things like, yes, if you failed, that's when you go to do the trades. So the language has to change because we've realized now that we have a problem. 
there are a lot of demand-driven skills that there are not enough people to do them. And this could actually help drive the economy. So we need to unlearn that idea and, and change the language. Because when you hear somebody from Ministry of Education say, oh yes, we have a pathway for those that fail. It doesn't empower the youth or the young people because then they look at that and they feel like, well, I don't want to be seen doing that. So it's not attractive to the young people to do any of these trades. So I think the language should be that if you're interested in it, whether you're academically sound or not, it's something you can go for, you know, to do something else, something else other than the four-year college. Like I know some lady I follow on Instagram, I think her name is Chisomolombe. I know she studied accounting, I think, at Zika's. Today, she makes clothes, beautiful pieces. So yes, was she, is she academically sound? Yes, she is. <laughs> but with time, she turned her business into something else that she loves. It doesn't have to be that because you failed. And there are many other stories, and I could even tell my own. When I was about 19, my dad died. I was studying accounting. I was, out of, I was at the accountancy training college. So when my dad died, I decided, well, let me find a small job that would help me get pocket money. So I started working at a swimming pool. I was a lifeguard because when I was about 17, I had gotten a lifeguard certificate because my high school, the high school that uh, Chulu and I went to, they provided that, you know, and you'd never think you'd use such a thing. And people laughed at me. They said, look at her. She's studying accounting and she's working at a swimming pool. So it's that sort of thing. Now I have thick skin, so that never bothered me because I knew that I was heading somewhere. It was okay. But when you, if you look at a young person, they don't wanna be seen doing stuff like that. They don't wanna be laughed at. They wanna be seen doing the cool things. So yeah, the, we have to unlearn that. We just have to unlearn and relearn that perception. I learn and relearn. I like that. I learn and relearn. There's a lot of things in this education system that we just have to unlearn and relearn. That is so true. Give how accessible is trade schools in Zambia? So generally, they're quite accessible. Um, we have at least one trade school in almost every province. And uh, the good thing is now some of them are having boarding facilities. So regardless of where you're coming from, you can be able to be accommodated and you can be able to pursue your course. Um, yeah, so corporate education, however, is a little less um, accessible for certain reasons. One of them could be um, the cost because it's much higher than if you were to go to a trade school, you would obviously pay um, much higher in terms of academic um, tuition fees. Yeah, but in terms of availability, they are there. We have at least one in every province and um, the application process is not too stringent. Um, there are some that actually even accept you to go there even before you have a grade 12 certificate. Although a lot of them um, have the grade 12 certificate as a basic requirement. I wanna speak both sides and I want to have them equally yoked, if I can put that way. What are the advantages of corporate and also what are what are the advantages of trade and then we will also go into the disadvantages but let's speak about the advantages of um trade zenith we can start with that okay so obviously like gift mentioned it's cheaper uh school is cheaper uh, it takes a short amount of time 
and you know you could easily start a small scale business on your own much quicker than going for to, for a four year college. And yeah, pretty much those are the three advantages I can think of. Okay, that's trade. Yeah. Now, gift. If you don't mind sharing on corporate, what are the advantages of corporate? Okay, before I go to that, can I just um, add one other advantage? I I feel that trade has. Um, it allows you to be creative. Yeah, okay. it allows you to be creative, to express yourself. And um, usually trade skills are, are there to, like you're creating something, you're making something. So you can make whatever comes in your mind. Oftentimes you don't have like a specific um, design or a specific schedule that you have to follow as opposed to the corporate world where uh, most of the time you're doing repetitive work and not really... Um, exploring your your creative side and letting your creative juices flow um in terms of advantages that uh, corporate um work would have um one of them i would say is um some form of security you know when you're doing something on your own there are a lot of challenges that come with it um there's the risk of um of failure of you not doing well, especially if you're self-employed. Like for instance, if you're a tailor and you have your own little shop somewhere and you're doing your own thing, there's the risk that um, you will not have customers in that month. Then what happens in that month? You will not have money and you will not be able to pay rent and all those things. But if you are working in an institution or in an organization, um, the chances of you not getting paid that month are a little slimmer. It happens in some organizations, but in most organizations, you are guaranteed that, yes, I, I still have my job for the foreseeable future. So there's um, job security there. There's a guarantee of a salary as well. And um, certain times the pay is a little bit higher than if you were working for yourself. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's what I can think about for now in terms of the advantages of the corporate world. Senator, I'm going to go back to you and now just touch on the um, disadvantages of, uh, let's say corporate, because I think Gift kind of touched on the disadvantages of, of trade a bit more in depth. Um, of corporate, besides having to do something repetitively, um, what are the disadvantages of that? Okay, so before I start that, I just wanted to touch on a point that uh, Gift mentioned. And I think maybe the setting in Zambia might be that if you do trades, mostly you're self-employed. So maybe like we have a ways to go in terms of like maybe companies and infrastructures, because for example, here in the US, if you go to a trades, there's still companies where you can work and you, you're secure in your job. So there are certain things that you would do. It's a skill and you don't have to worry about the insecurity. For example, people who fix like the HVAC or the, you know, like HVAC systems, plumbing, for example, that kind of stuff. They can actually have a permanent job with the company and you did trades. So maybe we have a ways to go to get to that stage where when you do trades, it doesn't mean self-employed and therefore it meaning maybe a lack of income sometimes or if things go wrong where, but you can study something, it's trade, but it still guarantees a job. So anyway, going to the point of disadvantages with corporate, universities cost money and sometimes it requires you to get a loan, you know, that you'll be paying for God knows how many years. I think it's not as bad in Zambia as it is here, but people, 
get out of school and they pay loans and it's very stressful for the rest of their lives. And sometimes you can't get this four-year degree <laughs> and not get a job uh, because maybe whatever field you studied is saturated for some reason, because sometimes if you just get into something and yeah, you could get out with debt and without a job. So that can happen as well. You know, I was about to touch on the unemployment that sometimes comes with you know, people with qualifications like degrees and, you know, honors and masters, you, you find people at home, but they have these, you know, beautiful qualifications. They, they are learned, they have the information. Recently in Zambia, there was a call for teachers who haven't been employed for a very long time. And although they were called in, there are some who are still not paid to this day, it's been some three months, some, you know, six months since they've been called in. And you wonder, like, how is that providing security? You know, yes, with, with trade, like we said, you know, you can self-employ. If maybe the job center doesn't um, employ you, like a freelancer or something like that, you can still self-employ, you can still do your own stuff on the side with the same skill. But now when you are definite corporate, you end up being somewhat stuck. What can you say about that? How do you, I don't know if it's going to be advice or what should happen next? Is it to the government? Is it to the youth? Is it to the parents? Is it the education system? Is there someone failing us? What's happening? Hmm, there's a lot that can be talked about in that regard. Um, you've just made me think of one thing um, where, you know, this, this time we were having this recruitment of the teachers and the health workers and all. Um, there was a sad story of a, of a gentleman who actually committed suicide because he felt he was left out and he thought there was no more hope for him. And I was thinking to say, but how can he say there's no more hope for him? The government was employing, but you know, as the government was employing, some of those teachers who were going into the, into the civil service were coming from private institutions. So meaning there were opportunities being left there. And, um, you know, the problem is a lot of, a lot of us, when we go to university or when we get this corporate education, we have this fixed mindset to say, I'm getting this so that I can get a job in this particular company. And when that doesn't happen, we feel there's no other alternatives. Um, I just want to encourage um, the youths out there or whoever it is out there to say, be open-minded, really be, be open-minded. The opportunities are so many. And that's where um, skills come in and where skills are also important to say, while I'm waiting for this, my dream job, what else can I be doing? How can I still be able to apply myself? Um, how can I still be able to contribute value, even if it's not in the particular institution I thought I would work in? But let me start from somewhere. Let me not just sit and wait until um, the doors are opened to that dream organization, but let me start doing something. If it's a teacher, look for opportunities to start tutoring in your community, for instance. And from there, some of the parents would recognize and say, oh, there's this person who tutors well. If they know of an opportunity somewhere for a full-time job, you can be 
you can be able to get such an opportunity. So I think it's about opening our minds to say there are so many possibilities out there and um, we can still be able to benefit benefit from them. Sorry, I digressed a little bit. <laughs> Just bring me back on track. That is okay. That's what we need. We need all these ideas. I hope anyone who's going to be listening to this is going to pick on one of those ideas and really employ them in their own lives. We need to keep an open mind. I think you really said it there when you said keep an open mind. Long are the days where we are to depend on one income as an individual or or one um qualification as an individual. Um, there's a saying, jack of all trades, master of none, is still better than something like not knowing any of them. Even though you may be jack of all trades, it is better to be jack of all trades and not master one, because if you master one, then where else can you fit in? So I think that's where we need to move towards as individuals, to move away from, oh, like as a teacher, I, I, I want a doctorate in, in, in teaching. I want to be a professor in teaching. But also keep that mindset, like Gif was saying, keep an open mind to say, as a teacher, what else can I do? Be a tutor or do some training, not only in the classroom or open a school or teachers are very di uh, diverse in the sense that we are so good at administration i can work at an administration office or i can offer freelancing opportunities for that in my school we use so much it i find myself helping people who are not in the teaching industry with it so just to go on to um, what Gift was saying, it just brought so many stuff in my mind when she was saying, keep an open mind. We, we are done with having one thing because like Zenith said in the beginning, economy is always changing. There's no telling that corporate is what's going to push you forward or trade is what's going to push you forward. This year or five years now, this period or five years, you'll be pushed forward by trade. But then five years later on, you would have to depend on um, corporate. So it says, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> the English was not Englishing. <laughs> um, it's just made me think of one thing. Um, you know, these days, um, these corporate jobs, um, there's this expectation or requirement. You know, when you uh, when you have the what do you call it? The when there's a job application call, usually amongst the requirements, they'll say so so maybe say one year or two years work experience is preferred and things like that. And you'd be there thinking, I'm just straight out of university. Where am I going to get this two years work experience from? And it disadvantages so many people. But in my experience, I've come to realize that in as much as they would say two years experience in this particular, in this particular field, um, if you present yourself as a person who is learning and who is open to growth, 
and you present, for instance, um, other skills that you have and maybe um, volunteering experience that you have done where you maybe even did some kind of internship, paid or unpaid, they actually can be able to consider and say, yes, this person, even though they don't have this two years work experience, but they are showing the value that they can bring to us through what they have already done. So, yeah, I just thought of adding that to what you've just said. That's actually true. But the trade, obviously, in college, you are doing it. In the corporate world, when you go in for the interview, like you're saying, gift, there's this expectation that you should have some sort of experience, but then no one is giving you the experience. In schools, in primary schools, children are now, especially where I work, I work at an international school. Children are now taught... Um, actual skills. When you look at countries that are doing well in education, like film, Finland and, and places like that, there's, um, they, they, they are given um, actual skills like carpentry, um, gardening. However, you find that in our government schools, such things are not provided. And uh, these are things that are necessary. Like we look at curriculums like Montessori. They teach students to be skillful people. When you look at schools in Japan, the students are, you know, self-motivating. Um, they're not really depending. They're not letting their education to only come from the teacher, but they are going hand in hand with the teacher. Zenith, how can we at least in um, better em empower our students while they are here in like primary school, high school, so that when the time comes, at least we have um, decreased the negative perception of trade. Because I think a lot of times we are preparing them for corporate unknowingly and given the systems that we are using, given the curriculums that we are using, how can we then, especially especially speaking to our government schools, make sure that we really are, you know, propelling our students forward by the skills that we are giving them here in schools? So I think it does start with the curriculum itself. I think the curriculums need to change. Uh, like you said, in the government schools, I think in the private schools, it's a little bit different because I remember when I was a kid, we had things like home economics or gardening and painting in primary school. And even in secondary school, we still had those classes, but it's the way they were laid out. So they had this system of where you're in class. If you did very well, you scored well, you were in class A, you did bookkeeping and French. So then you were in class B, you did agriculture and home economics and class C. So already the way it's designed, it's already that thing we're talking about, oh, you did less than, you failed, and then you're going to do these courses. But honestly, when I look back, those are things like maybe I would have chosen to do agriculture, you know, if, you know, if given the opportunity, but then that meant that I did less, I didn't do well. So I think the curriculum itself needs to change to incorporate um, these things like they do in other countries, like gardening, painting, carpentry, mechanics, or whatever it is, photography, you name it. That way kids are encouraged. And then it's a choice. It doesn't have to be because you did pure sciences. You don't have to do this. There are people who did pure sciences and they hate the sciences. 
but that's what they were given uh, because of the grades and let it be a choice. And maybe that might change the conversation from something that is looked down upon to something that's just, okay, I can do this if I want to. So that by the time kids are growing up, they have an open mind to these skills. And girls too should be encouraged because I think I remember you had things like technical drawing only in boys school, home economics in girls school. Yeah, girls can draw too. I recently had a lady come and fix my windows. I was watching in amazement as she was welding, blending. I said, look at that. And she's making a living. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. I want to go back to the class A, B and C. At my high school, the classes were set up like that. And the A students were the low achieving, the B, they were kind of mid achieving. Uh, they were the, the accountants, the business uh, students. And then the C were the scientists, the doctors, and the everything that was regarded as very difficult. And therefore, if you can work it out, uh, the mathematicians, and so funny thing is that um, my sister who was in the seed class and she did well for her math, her science, everything um, is someone who went into trade. And she started with going into um, performing arts and then she went into um, aircraft um, she's an aircraft technician right now and all these things are things that you have to use your body and use your hands and skills not necessarily the way that she was put out in the world and I think that really plays a really big uh, role in how also students perceive themselves because unfortunately for me I was in the A class and you can imagine being in the A class <laughs> Then it's just raised her hand a little like that, you know. Being in the A class, you go out in the world in grade 12, which we call metric in South Africa. You go out in the world thinking, there's nothing that I can do that is going to be enough for the world. Whatever I want to do is not enough because I can't crack the math equation or the the scientific terminologies and things like that. Um, yeah, so oh, that one, that one just open so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can I just add on to that real quick before you move on? So yeah. ours was opposite, it was A was for the people that did very well, then B, you know, middle, then C, they did very low. And I remember when I went to eighth grade, I was in the A class. So then we did the bookkeeping, the geography and the French. But by ninth grade, I wasn't doing so well. By grade eight and nine, I wasn't doing well. So then I went to 10B and those that came from 9B, it was even a whole joke like, oh, they've been displaced. I mean, it was a whole thing. Like people were like, yeah, we'll displace them. We'll displace them. And so you had those that did very well at grade nine come to 10A and some of us moved to 10B. And it was like, you felt some kind of way, like you were saying like, oh my God, where's my future? But when I look back, I realized that for me, luckily my dad, even though he was like from the colonial era type education, he sort of understood, he wasn't hard on me. 
he was like, whatever it is that you're good at, you, you're going to go with that, you know, whatever you like. Okay, you're good in math. Maybe you'll be a bad teacher or an accountant, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, it, it was, it was, it, it was painful. I remember grade 10, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can only, oh, just not even imagine. I'm just having flashbacks. Gift, there's the school of YouTube these days. And a lot of people are not 100% happy with the school of YouTube because um, somehow, somewhat, it's taking over, say, for people in fashion who went to fashion school. And here I am, old me, who can afford fashion school, and I'm going to go to the school of YouTube, and I crack it, but I don't have the... Um, degree that says this is what I've done what do you have to say about that well do not be discouraged the fact that you were bored enough to go out there and learn is something that's very very commendable um unfortunately yes there are many institutions these days that want the paper without the paper they feel you are not capable but um I would say do not be discouraged. Do what you can with what you have. Um, start something, even if it doesn't require you to be in the place that wants the paper. But when you are able to, there's nothing wrong with going for the paper. There are so many places where you can be able, even the minimum certificate um, can make a difference. But start with what you are able to do and do not be discouraged, at least take that initiative to say, let me learn this. I personally have learned a lot of things on YouTube and through Google and um, Skillshare and all that, that I haven't yet got on the paper. But even these, um, you know, there are these courses that you can actually do online and get certification. There's actually an opportunity to get certification from those institutions. So go the extra mile. If it means paying something little to get that certification, go ahead and do that. That certification might be considered and appreciated in, in some place. Okay, I just wanted to add to the previous conversation as, as um, Zenith was talking about the curriculum and how that needs to change. I've, I've realized um, of late we have actually started to adjust our curriculum. We're now bringing in financial literacy education from a tender age, which is something that's very, very good. We're also bringing in um, agriculture as a compulsory subject, not something that those who are considered um, less academic performing would go for, but that anybody can be able to, to engage in. And now we have a lot of schools, both primary schools and secondary schools, and even um, colleges having production units where they encourage um, you to be able to learn certain skills from there, be it agriculture, be it carpentry and things like that, which are also contributing to the increase in, in skills development, which I think is quite commendable. Um, I think it's also a matter of us just normalizing the conversation of your passion can make sense. Your interest can make sense. I think parents and the teachers and the community should encourage children from a tender age to get to learn what it is they think they're good at or what it is that they like and be able to develop that from a tender age. I think that would also really, really help um, um, change the narrative. So I'm going to give you ladies an opportunity to just round off what today's conversation is basically about. So I think in general, uh, like Gift mentioned earlier, we need to 
probably take like a dual approach to this, like where you can't get your white collar job, but get your skills. I think what happens often, maybe in Zambia, you go to university, it's theoretical, you graduate, you have the paper and you haven't trained. And maybe that, I don't know, maybe now things have changed, like Gift is saying, you know, I haven't been there in a long time, but sometimes things like internships, for example, here schools are very practical. And I think Germany does a very good job at that. Like two years into university, they start sending you out to these companies, these manufacturing places. So then you become what you call like a, like I'm a nurse, for example. And for someone, someone can take a two-year course and become a nurse, but you can also have, you can pursue the bachelor's uh, route for four years. And at the two-year mark, we have what we call student nurses. So they come and they start working on the units as nurses, even though they are student nurses. So by the time they're graduating four, you know, four years later, they have this quote-unquote experience. So maybe, you know, even when someone is taking a four-year degree, like maybe volunteer, like you mentioned early, volunteer your time if you can't get an internship, but maybe programs just need to incorporate that as well. You know, go speak to companies, go say you do it for free. You don't have to get paid because that time that you're doing that, you're investing in yourself. You know, it might look like a waste of time, but it is It is not. So, and, um, tr you know, train yourself to do something outside of the white collar job, whatever it is, whether you like fixing cars, braiding hair, cooking, making juice, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, train, upskill, you know, if you can, and you can be a professional at that. You can open a small business. You could open a company. You can employ people. It contributes to the economy. I think it's a beautiful thing to have as well. And, you know, as the children are growing up, the youth, we just need to teach them that, you know what, find your passion, you know, take that path. You can do both. It doesn't have to be white collar. It's not only to be a doctor or a lawyer. You can be a photographer. You can be many things. You know, you can make a perfect hammer and make a business out of it. She, she has summed it all. Like, I, I, I don't have anything to add. I really don't have anything to add. I would just say, in as much as um, whatever it is that you're doing, just do it to the best of your ability. Set yourself apart be the best version of yourself. Don't look down on yourself and say, no, it's just a skill that I have. There's nothing like just a skill. That skill is very valuable. And without you, without that tailor, I wouldn't have this dress. Okay, so it's not just a skill. It's something very, very valuable. And if you're then the corporate world as well, open your mind. Don't limit yourself to just what you're doing, but see what other opportunities there are. Never stop learning. Because in this day and age, the way the economy is changing and all that, you need to stay relevant. So staying relevant is not just being good at whatever it is that you got from college 10 years ago. No, but see how you can improve yourself, what skills that you can develop to be the best, even um, in the setting that you find yourself. And for those who are wondering, should I start? Should I go to trade school? Should I go to university? Stop wondering. Choose one of them and build from there. Yeah. I like the, the straightforwardness. Stop dilly-dallying. Stop looking here and there. And if I can um, summarize just a few ideas, stay relevant. I really think that popped out a lot. You want people to want whatever that you're offering. Stay relevant. Internships, 
Um, and it doesn't always mean, like Zainath said, it doesn't always mean the ones that are prepared for you in your course, you can go to a company, ask to volunteer and do it while you're studying, even if it's for free, invest in yourself. And franchise, you know, dream as big as, you know, your fears can take you. Apparently when you dream, if it doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. If you don't go, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do that? It's not big enough. So if you haven't reached there, push even those limits. Um, franchise, whatever you're doing, see how you can even offer other people to continue that thing. Uh, Zenith uh, and Gif were saying, like having a product, whatever it is, a skill that you're offering, if it's juice, you know, push that juice. Let, let us know about it. Tell us the benefits of it. And yeah. And I think what I'd like to say and add on is that find what you love, as it has been said, and do that. Also, you are the only you there is. So be the best that you can. We'll never, ever experience this you. You will never experience this you in this lifetime. So always push your yesterday today. Ladies and all our listeners, that you got something from this and you really are going to employ it in your own lives or if not in someone else's life. I am Tawaka Kangote and this is The Educated Africana. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today. What are you going to do about what you just heard? Tell us all about it on social media tag at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. Catch you next week. Oh,